Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to this edition of Inside Strategic Coach. Today, we're going to talk about something that is pretty fascinating. And that, Dan, is how you live your simple, productive, and satisfying life. Now, I really love that you've outlined the seven key things that you make sure that you do, how you organize mm-hmm. yourself. So first of all, thank you very much for sharing that with everyone, because I know people are like, how does Dan do it, <laughs> is one of the questions. So first of all, just to kick this off, what made you put this list together? What was the impetus for this? Yes, well, Anna, who does all my scheduling, she got a request in from one of our program advisors from a brand new 10 times client in Strategic Coach. And he says, well, how does Dan plan his days? And it's one of those things which, first of all, I kind of procrastinated on it, and then Anna was on top of me. So you can procrastinate too long with something where if you give a short answer, it doesn't do justice to the fact that you've been stretching this out too long. So I decided to actually put some effort into it. But actually, what we're going to cover came together very fast. And I think I wrote the whole thing in about 20 minutes. And I just sent this as an email to Anna. And she said, this is fantastic. And so I said, well, maybe the clients in the workshop would like to see this. So I just had it laid out a little bit better than an email and presented it. And it was a real hit. That was right at the end of the last quarter of my workshops. So only about four out of my 12 workshops actually saw this. So then the next eight will get this. And, you know, it may spread further, may go right through the program. And our recording this, I think, would probably be a real good support for this material throughout the entire strategic coach program and you know we could go further we could actually do videos on this but it really hit home and I had never really given any thought that I've really spent a lot of time really thinking through what constitutes a really great day and there are three qualities that make a really great day for me first of all it's a simple day it's not a complicated it's not a hectic day the second thing is that it's very productive So every day when I get to the end of it, I want to be able to see some real tangible progress that I'm proud of. And number three, it's very satisfying when I get to the end of the day. I've really enjoyed that day. And so if you do every one of your days like that, then it extends to months, it extends to years, and it extends to an entire lifetime. So this is really the context or the background of what we came up with. I love it. And Dan, I think those three words are quite profound because in our working with entrepreneurs, their daily experience is actually the total opposite. Mm -hmm. Instead of being simple, things are really complicated. Instead of being productive, there's a sense of lack of productivity or wasted time, things that were not done as Mm. well as they could have been done. And the end result is that people feel really dissatisfied. So simple, productive, and satisfying are actually really powerful qualitative measurements Mm -hmm. of what you're doing and they're quantitative too. So let's jump in with number one because I'm sure Mm -hmm. people are dying to know what it starts with. And you have it as being just one scheduler. Mm -hmm. So you don't do your own scheduling. So Mm -hmm. talk about what this looks like. Of everything that we're going to talk about here, this one probably goes back the longest. And that is when I first started off as an entrepreneur, I was on my own for almost 10 years. I was very sloppy with my scheduling. I would double book things or I'd forget to schedule something 
or there just wasn't sufficient time periods between one meeting and another. And it was a constant source of, on the one hand, it was stressful. Second thing, it caused a lot of guilt about being sloppy where someone else was expecting me to do something and I didn't really properly put it in my schedule. It's not an activity that I enjoy at all. I don't enjoy scheduling. So Babs, who really is so much the coach of all the good things in my life, she said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get one person, and it isn't going to be you, and that person's going to handle the schedule, and you're not allowed to schedule anything without consulting with that person first. And this will be a person whose Colby profile, whose person unique ability, what they love doing, is producing a schedule for you that maximizes your productivity and it isn't stressful for you. And we've spent an enormous amount of time experimenting with this over the last quarter century, but I have a person right now, and I'll even name her because I want her to be with me forever, and this is Anna, Anna who bugged me to actually produce this material. So the story is that Anna controls the schedule. So if somebody says, can we get together? And I said, well, this is what's going to have to happen. I'm going to talk to Anna and say that it's okay for you to talk to her and that she's to make room in my schedule for you, but you have to phone her up. When the person requests, she'll come to me and she'll say, so how soon do you want this? How much time do you need? What would be the best day to do it? And then it gets scheduled, and they always happen. I would say since Anna's been on board, I've never missed a meeting. I've never had too little time between meetings. I'm always notified a day or two ahead that the meeting is going to take place. Anna always reminds me the night before what my schedule is for the next day. When I come in to the office the first thing in the morning, she goes over the schedule with me. She's got a phenomenal skill for this, and it relieves me completely, so I've delegated this all completely. So things are very orderly. Things are very systematic. I don't have to think about it at all. I don't wake up in the middle of the night, oh, gee, I forgot to do this. There's just this one person with superb skill at the center of my life. And the way I look at it is Anna is one of my skills, okay? Dan always shows up on time. Dan always does what he says he's going to do. Dan always finishes what he starts. He himself has none of those skills, but with Anna's help, I have those skills as part of my overall capability. I love it. And just to echo that, because I have my own Anna, which is in the form of Nicole. And one of my big insights after working with Nicole, who has completely and totally transformed my work life, mine is simple and productive and satisfying as well. And all the stress has just gone Mm -hmm. when you find someone who is really good at and will support you this Mm -hmm. way. And my big insight was that some people really love scheduling. I don't. I have Mm -hmm. zero mental energy for it. I find it stressful like you. I forget things or feel guilty or feel pressed. And it's kind of amazing to me that Nicole says, oh, yes, I schedule to calm down. It's like, oh, dear, I schedule and I get anxious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I want everyone listening to know that 
there are people out there that love nothing more than to put things into time and into your calendar and have a whole skill mm-hmm. about orchestration. They don't mind going back and checking, and they're good with revising things. There are people out there that actually mm-hmm. truly love to do that, and that teamwork is really available to everybody. Yeah. Perfect. And what I would say is that I'm actually very, very good with time from the standpoint that I can get things done very, very quickly if I don't have other things on my mind. And having to have scheduling on my mind just significantly interfered with the three qualities that I like my day to be based on. It interfered with simplicity. It made things very complicated oftentimes made him very confusing, always made him more stressful. The next thing is it undermined and sabotaged my productivity. Even when I did get a lot done on one of those hectic days, it wasn't satisfying to me. So I've got these three standards of simple, productive, and satisfying. So there was no way that I could achieve those standards on a daily basis by the way that I was handling it. So it had to go to another person who has the complete unique ability for doing it. And she loves doing it, and she feels like a hero, and I make her feel like a hero. Mm -hmm. And I can't stress that enough. Both of our productivity has gone up by the fact that we have this skill Mm -hmm. of Anna and Nicole, Mm -hmm. but it feels easy. It doesn't feel hard. It's easy to be productive, Mm -hmm. and that's the blessing of it. Mm -hmm. You think it might be the opposite, but in Mm -hmm. fact, it just totally leverages it. Mm -hmm. Dan, point number two is only three, only Mm. three activities Mm -hmm. that fill your day. So talk about most people have lists and lists and dozens of dozens of things that they think they have to do. Why only three? This also goes back not as far as the one scheduler, but I would say it goes back 10 years anyway. And that is that I just noticed, because I really have coached thousands of entrepreneurs, that they have one habit that again, interferes with simplicity, productivity, and being satisfied with their life, and that is that they have lists which are impossible to complete on any given day, and yet they hold themselves accountable for completing the list on that day. Just to put some numbers to that, Shannon, let's say they say, well, I've got 15 things to do tomorrow, and they write down a list of 15 things, which wouldn't be a problem if they would be happy with getting three of the 15 done. But to them, that's a massive failure, getting three out of 15 done. It's a massive failure. So from the very beginning, with their list of 15 things, they've blueprinted failure for tomorrow. And since they do this every day, every night, they're blueprinting failure for the following day. They beat themselves up. They feel guilty. They feel deficient and very stressful, extremely stressful. So I said, well, I'm going to sort of take a bit of a risk here, and I'm going to believe that I'm smart enough and I'm skillful enough and I'm talented enough that if I restrict myself to just three important things that I need to get done every day and be happy with that, that gradually the quality of those three things will constantly multiply. In other words, if I do it in year one, I'll be this productive so I can measure this productive. But because I only get three of them every day, my mind starts saying, well, that's not important enough to be one of your three. So what I've noticed is that 
the three things that I have on the list in year 10 of this are 20 times more important and 20 times more valuable than the three that I had on my list 10 years ago. So what I'm doing is I'm saying I'm going to give up on quantity of things to get done every day, and what I'm going to do is trade off for increasing quality of things. Of course, Shannon, because you're the master of the teamwork program and strategic coach, what I began to realize is that the activities that I do that are my part of massive teamwork are exponentially more important than just tasks that I do on my own. So one of the great quality changes that has happened as I've stayed with this restriction, if you will, is that almost nothing gets down on my list today that doesn't involve massive teamwork around me. In other words, the thing I'm going to do tomorrow is going to put three or four other people in a position to do something really great. So I'm seeing myself as just one member of a team, but I'm the initiating member of the team. So my job is to do one thing tomorrow that initiates teamwork for many other people. So that's been a really interesting transformation. And the other thing is that there's no time thing about the things that I'm doing. For example, many times I've come in and with working just two hours from around 9 o'clock to 11 o'clock in the morning, I get my three things done. And as far as I'm concerned, the day is 100% at 11 o'clock in the morning. I can do anything I want with the rest of the day and feel that I had a completely productive day and it was a very satisfying day. So if I decided just to leave work at that time and go and read a novel or go walking or go exercising or go exploring something, I'm freed up to do that. But the math of this is very, very interesting. So all of our listeners know the time system, our free days, focus days, and buffer days. So in an ordinary year, not a leap year, but an ordinary year, there are 365 days. And Babs and I take 155 free days off. So when we start the year, we actually only have 210 working days. So those 210 working days are broken down into 180 focus days and 30 buffer days. So I have 210 work days, and I'm only going to permit myself three important things on each of those 210 days, which if you multiply it is 630 important things a year. And I said, you know, if the quality and the impact of my three things a day keeps going up, I tell you, a year that I do 630 important things is probably going to be an incredibly productive, creative, probably a multiplier year. And yet, I blueprinted myself the night before that it's 100% doable. And so I've completely made it impossible for me to blueprint failure into my day as the list makers do. I love it. The other thought that strikes me is that compared to 15 things, if I've got 15 things on my list, I'm going to try and get through some of them as quickly as possible. I'm going to do the bare minimum. When there are only three, 
you want to maximize those. Mm-hmm. You've got lots of mental energy, mm-hmm. lots of physical energy to make them really amazing. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that's why the quality has gone yeah. up. In a year with 630 important things that you've pulled off, it's going to be a stellar yeah. epic breakthrough year. Yeah, in a five-day week, I get 15 important things done. Well, well, if those 15 things trigger teamwork on the part of a dozen other people, then each of those three important things was actually the beginning of an exponential productivity. So it's a different way in our world where there's such emphasis on multitasking and packing every minute with activity. And one of the things is, just as a little closing note on this particular one, I always feel I have more than enough time to get the really important things done in my life. And so often when entrepreneurs come into the program, my biggest problem is I don't have enough time. And I said, well, your list making, your creating unreasonable lists is why you don't have enough time. You don't have enough time to do the impossible. I don't either. So <laughs> so I'm just happy with the possible. Now let's make the possible really good. That's fantastic. Well, let's move to point number three, because this is another mm-hmm. aspect of activity. And it's innovation and focus. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is actually getting into the teamwork related yes. to the different types of activities. So tell me why innovation and focus are what you're paying attention to. Yes, well, you know, if you think about the way that I create value in my role in Strategic Coach, it's continually innovating new things that are better than what already exists. And the second thing is that when I'm innovating, the more closer I am to 100% focus at that activity, the better the result. So... That would be true if I was just working on my own, but since I've made this transition, I never see myself as a lone producer. I see myself as a crucial and usually the initiating member of a team. Then what I want is that when I do the handoff, whether I'm innovating and I'm creating something new and I'm doing a handoff to another team member or... I've already created something, and what it requires now is that there's a continual focus so that this really good thing that's been created just keeps happening over and over again. So what I've done is that I've actually thought about this in particular types of people, and the number one consideration here is what the Colby is of the individual. So my Colby is really an innovator's Colby, When Kathy Colby first created the Colby system, she actually had the name innovator for this particular profile, and that is my fact finder is a two, my follow through is a two, my quick start is a 10, and then I have a four implementer, which is actually very important in what I do. My four implementer is very important. Typically, the way that the Colby system plays out in organizations is that I am a person who needs people with really good fact-finding and follow-through skills, which means that they have longer, much longer fact-finders and much longer follow-throughs than I do. But working side-by-side with someone like that, there's such a disparity with our fact-finding follow-through in terms of number, the separation in numbers. And mental energy. And mental energy. There's a lot of tension and 
it's very, very difficult. So what I hit upon, and first of all, I have to say here, and I'm going to talk about this as one of the points, is that I use a unique strategic coach communication form, which is called the impact filter. And we'll go through that more fully in another point in this presentation. But what I do is that if I'm creating something new, I will do a complete impact filter where I say what the purpose, the importance, the ideal outcome, best, worst result, and then success criteria. And I'll write this up and I'll send it to one of two people that I work with. And in my case, it's Kathy Davis or Paul Hamilton and I'll send the impact filter, and I said, this is something new I'm thinking about. I'd like you to think about it for a couple of days and get back to me on it. And just let me know that you got it, because Paul and Kathy are what are called facilitators in the Colby system, and these are people who love taking other people's ideas, running with them, putting them into action, creating a game plan, getting a team that can actually execute, and then to actually create a organization that can reproduce the result, if it's a really good result. And they're geniuses at it. Both of them are really geniuses. They have a phenomenal ability to work with almost any other kind of person in the Colby profile system. They love doing this, and all I have to do is to get my intentions to them, and then they'll come back and they'll say, really love what you're doing here. think we could probably do it simpler if we did it this way and this way, and this is what I suggest. And what do you think? And I said, go for it. And from that point forward, they are totally in charge of my new idea. And my only participation in that once I've initiated it is that there are certain crucial parts of it that I'm going to have to do. It might be writing, might be recording, might be doing diagrams because I'm a trained artist. But the moment I hand it over to them, I just become a member of their team for completing my idea. So and that's what I call my innovation manager. So that person, the innovation manager who's kind of in the middle of the Colby, and by the way, if you have not yet done your Colby listening, go to Colby.com. It's K-O-L-B-E.com and do the Colby A Index. It is genius. Change your life. It will change Transform your life. your life and the lives of everybody that you live with right. and work with. And it's not a test. You cannot fail. It mm -hmm. only measures strengths. And it's mm -hmm. not in the cognitive or the personality realm. This is how you problem solve mm -hmm. and strive. Just so everyone knows what context to put that in. So this innovation manager really acts as a buffer <clears> then between those people who can reproduce it on an ongoing mm -hmm. basis. And that's partly what a focus manager yeah. is, right? Yeah. Now, the focus manager is very, very different. And there's a particular something that already exists. And I'll give you an example. And most example is that uh, I start two new workshops a year at the 10 times level. The goal is to get 65 individuals in that workshop, okay? So we start one in the fall and we start one in the spring. And what I was noticing is that we weren't getting those kinds of numbers. You know, it's like a hotel. You can't sell last night's hotel room <laughs> if it was empty. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, we have seats that are not being filled mm -hmm. in the 10 times program. And I said, I need someone who is on this goal day in, day out, and is working with the salespeople and is working with the program advisors, has 65 boxes to fill, and this person just comes in, and this is all they do. 
half year at a time and fill that in. And so I put together an impact filter describing what the project was, what the person's role was. And then there was an individual in the company that I had my eye on, and she was in another job position. Her name is Melissa Boyce, and I just got this feeling that she might be the person who could actually do this. And the most important thing is that she had a significantly long fact finder and follow through that this would be an enjoyable activity for her. But not only that, she'd be very effective. Yeah, it's really her follow through in this role that has transformed the entire result in terms of 10 times registrations. Yeah, and basically, since Melissa has taken on this project, our results have gone up a little bit more than 50%. And we're selling out now three or four months early for my 10 times workshops. This is the entire focus. So Melissa and I don't have to deal with each other day by day because we're both totally clear about the result. It happens twice a year. It's an event. It either happens or it doesn't happen. There's numbers which measure whether it was 100% or not. It's her total role. She's completely self-managing in this role, and she loves it. Another one is the creation and the constant improvement of our videos. And so I put together an impact filter saying I would like someone who is just 100% focused on increasing the quantity of the videos where I'm being interviewed and also the quality. So I'm getting better as a result of this person's coaching. And the other thing is that the techniques that we're using are getting better and better. And I worked with one of my team members by the name of Suvi Sue, and I just laid it out. She said, I love this. It just runs by itself. And, you know, I have Linda Bewalda, who has my complete social media, and she's got a whole system which maximizes my recordings, my video recordings, my audio recordings, and everything else. So I have so many of these individuals. I have a writer who I produce a brand new book every quarter, and she's on top of that. I have a cartoonist. Hamish McDonald and Carrie Morrison, who is the writer. But it's all defined by an impact filter. And once I've defined it, I don't have to manage it. It's totally self-managing. But they all have Colby's that it wouldn't be all necessarily that great for me to work with them every day where we were trying to make decisions every day. There's no decisions to be made. We know the system They just have to do it to get better. So I call these focus managers. And what it allows me to do, Shannon, and you'd really appreciate that because you've really pioneered Colby inside Strategic Coach and among all the clients and their teams, is that allows me as a two-fact finder, two-follow-through, 10-quick start, it allows me to maximize my teamwork with people whose Colby profile might be in great stress or conflict with mine, and yet there is no stress or conflict. And that's such a profound insight. I'm passionate about entrepreneurial teamwork, as you've said. And anytime you have a difference of three or more in any of those, fact finder, follow through, quick start, implementer, there's a real potential for conflicts because of how you problem solve Mm -hmm. is so different than the other person. So the fact that 
it's your innovation managers that can deal with the uncertainty. If something's brand new, it goes to the top of their list, mm-hmm. not the bottom, which it would with a different type of profile. And they're the ones, you know, if you make it up, they love nothing more to make it real. Yeah. Once it's proven itself, the idea, the project, then you've got the focus managers to make it recur. Mm-hmm. And that is just such a powerful model. And in terms of what we see and we hear about all the time in our workshops is the fact that entrepreneurs get so frustrated. They've got fabulous people on their team, but they can't talk to them. The team members' eyes glaze over when they come back with a new idea from their workshops or what have you. And it's this innovation manager is that incredible Mm -hmm. translator Mm -hmm. between the make-it-up person and the make-it-real person. Mm -hmm. So that's just a phenomenal, phenomenal distinction. Let's move on to point number four. And you've actually really talked about it a little bit, and that is the 630 achievements per year. Mm-hmm. Want to add anything to what you were saying earlier? Because I think it's such an interesting point about what you hold yourself accountable to. Well, people can make their life ahead of them a lot more predictable than they think they can. You know, And one of the ways that Babs and I do it is that we always have 155 days that are free in a year. I always have 180 focus days, and I always have 30 buffer days, and that's absolutely predictable. It goes into the schedule. So we've taken what, for a lot of people, is this vast area of uncertainty, and you never know what's going to happen from one year to the next. And I said, I know what's going to happen from one year to the next. I know exactly how each year is going to be structured. So it's not that I know the events in that year, but I know the time structure for that. So someone says, boy, I'm really hoping for a productive year. I don't hope for a productive year. I just automatically structure a productive year. And the way I structure it, I'm saying I'm going to have 630 important achievements this year. 630. And what's really interesting is that when you put a number on anything, you've handled the quantitative part of the situation. So now all you have to do is focus on the qualitative part. If you say, I'm going to get a lot more done than I've ever gotten done before, half your brain is tied up with the fact, well, how do I measure this? How do I measure this? So what I've done is that a lot of the uncertainty that people have in looking forward into the future is they really haven't quantified the future at all. And so Babs and I quantify the future as much as possible. It's like another thing, which is the 25-year framework. Right now, I'm operating in a framework that started when I was 70 years old, and it's going to go till I'm 95, and I get 100 quarters. I get 100 quarters. So I've quantified the future in a lot of ways. What I notice, the degree to which you quantify the future going ahead of you, the more you multiply the possibility of quality in the future. You've taken a whole area of uncertainty, things that are unknown, and you just nail it. You just nail it down, and that's right. So that's the reason why I do that. One of the things that really strikes me about this point is that what you are really doing here is opposed to what I see a lot of entrepreneurs doing before they join Coach is that they have a very reactive way of organizing their time based Mm -hmm. on who's talking to them, who's Mm -hmm. asking them this, projects that pop up, and they're always floundering, it feels like, kind of how you described it Mm -hmm. (laughs) early in your career. Mm -hmm. But what you've done instead is be incredibly proactive. Mm -hmm. And anything that comes up has to fit into that calendar Mm -hmm. system 
of 155 free days, mm-hmm. 180 focus days, and 30 buffer days. Mm-hmm. And there's something very empowering because entrepreneurs have left the other more predictable system of, for instance, a corporate or larger organizational structure, but we have to create our own. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're out in the wilderness with that. So that ability to be proactive, I think, is a really different way, is a transformational way of looking at time. Yes, and we're going to do another Inside Strategic Coach on intentionality, but right up front, I'm just imposing intentionality on my future. Like people say, well, you don't know what you're going to be doing 20 years from now. I say, I know exactly what I'm going to be doing 20 years from now. I'm going to be coaching Strategic Coach workshops, and they're going to be a lot better than they are today. And I know how many I'm going to be coaching, and uh, I know exactly what I'm going to be doing 20 years from today. And what that does is it releases your mind from a state of wondering and being stressed out about something you don't know. I say, just say what you're going to do. So this really works for me. What we're talking about is a system that works for me, but I find this quantifying forward so that the highest possible quality can come along behind it is really a very important insight on my part. Well, and I think it's a brilliant insight. I could feel it from my own life as you were talking about it, is when you try and do both at the same time, it's incredibly challenging. But if you've already got the quantity figured out, it does, you you can put so much more mm-hmm. energy and enthusiasm and creativity into the quality of something. You get to really maximize it. I've got some great historical role models, and one of them is Shakespeare. I think he's the greatest thinker about human nature who ever lived. And he was unbelievably productive in a fairly short period of time. But he wrote in a writing style, which was called iambic pentameter. And what it is, it's 10 beats per line. It was poetry, essentially. Everything that Shakespeare wrote was pentameter. But it's da-da, 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 da-da. And that's one line. And da-da, da-da, da-da. So someone says, Shakespeare, you know, how are you going to write the next play? I mean, do you know how you're going to write the next play? He says, yeah, I know exactly. I'm going to write the next play. Da-da, 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 da-da. So he handled the structure up front so that the creation within the structure, he could put all of his emphasis and all of his focus on the creation within the structure. Handle the structure and you can be incredibly creative and productive because you've handled 50% of what most people's minds are wasted on. I love that. Perfect. So, Dan, you mentioned that we were going to talk about the impact filters, and we are. And we are going to do a future podcast even more about intentionality. But one of the things that you say is that you are passionate about using the Mm -hmm. impact filter as your best means of communication and planning for everything you do. So let's describe it briefly and talk about why that's true. My greatest frustrations historically as an entrepreneur, and this goes back to 1974 when I launched my first version of coaching, was that one is that I didn't have very much help. You know, I had almost zero help when I first started, so I didn't have any team around me. And the other thing was that I had a hard time marketing the whole idea of coaching back in the 1970s. It wasn't something that was part of the business world. It was in sports, it was in the arts, but it wasn't in the business world. So there's this enormous frustration about how do you get clearly what it is that you're trying to achieve, whether you're dealing with a prospect or a client, or you're dealing with people who 
might be providing you with certain things that you needed to run your business. So over the years, I've experimented with various forms of doing this, but one day I created this form called the Impact Filter, and I really hit the mother load (laughs) with this one form, and I have myself not only as proof of that, but literally thousands of other people because we've created this as a structure that anyone can use. It's simply that before you try to communicate something to somebody in your work, whether it's backstage with your team or front stage with your paying customers and clients, spend a half hour going through a thought process where it's just a series of boxes, either on a sheet of paper or it's on a software program, where you write down what the project is. And I see life as projects, the continual flow of projects. And then you write down what the purpose of the project is, what it is that you're trying to achieve. You write down the importance, why it's so crucial that you do this, and then the ideal outcome and the best possible circumstances, what it looks like when it's finished. And then you say to yourself and you explain to yourself, what's the worst that's going to happen if I don't move forward on this? And what's the best that's going to happen? And what you tap into there, Shannon, is the emotions. There's a real win if you pull it off, and there's a real loss if you don't pull it off. And then you say, well, how am I going to measure whether that ideal outcome is actually there? And you have eight spaces. And here's where you have to be very specific. You have to talk about specific aspects of the completed project, and you write those down. And what I found is that just doing that for myself, let's say I'm not communicating with someone else, but I'm just getting myself ready to do something by myself, just spending that half hour speeds my completion up probably by three or four times. And the reason is I've freed my mind up from thinking about what it is that I'm doing and how I'm going to do it and everything else and frees up all my energy just for the doing it. So I don't have to watch myself doing this. I've already done that. I've already rehearsed it in the thinking process. Now all I have to do is just do it. And when I sit down to do something, there's no thinking about how I'm doing it. I'm, I'm just thinking about doing it. But the huge thing was when I began to appreciate more and more the multiplier impact, the exponential impact of teamwork, that I could get massive amount of teamwork on the part of one, two, six, a dozen different people triggered just by spending a half hour of writing this down as a communication and then sending it to the lead person who is going to be actually responsible for it or for everybody involved. And then it would only require a short meeting where everybody checked in to say, kind of got it and everything like that. And this half hour on my part and maybe another half hour of discussing it afterwards could generate hundreds of hours of teamwork and the best possible teamwork. So this was just a huge, huge breakthrough in my life. Just think about it, you know, that a half hour on my time creates days of productive work on the part of other people. Everybody talks about technology and everything, but I've seen people who have 
this very powerful, supposedly productive technology, but because they're not very intentional about what they're doing, they actually don't multiply productive activity on their part or anybody else's part. They actually waste people's time. They actually confuse people. They actually undermine other people's productivity. And my feeling is that all the talk about exponential technology is totally meaningless if there isn't very, very clear human intentionality right at the beginning of it. Well, with the impact filter, you create a breakthrough in one of the biggest nuts to crack with entrepreneurial communication. And actually, not even entrepreneurial communication, just communication Mm -hmm. in general. Works at home, too, everyone. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, Gallup says that one of the biggest frustrations for team members is not knowing what's expected of Mm -hmm. them. And because of the success criteria, you know, it's eight things that have to be true in order for this to be measured as achieving the ideal Mm -hmm. outcome, they know exactly. They know the worst. They know the best. They know your purpose. They know your why. They know why it's so important. And that part, I have to tell you, gets left out all Mm -hmm. the time Mm -hmm. because We think other people can read our minds. So I think it's incredibly powerful. And again, I find it fascinating that a half-hour investment, which is kind of really all it takes, but sometimes even less, can have such a huge multiplier Mm -hmm. impact. My other experience with the impact filter is, and I'm sure this is true for anyone who are the idea people, is that you have an idea, but as I think through and answer the questions on the impact filter, I get so much clearer. Mm -hmm. It's not a form to regurgitate something that's already thought out. I get smarter and I get clearer on what I actually want. And that is such a huge win. Mm -hmm. I get even more bought in, or if I'm not, I don't do the project. So the fact that there's a thinking process, which is, again, only available within Strategic Coach, to help me do that is just Mm -hmm. profound. I love Mm -hmm. something where at the very end, compared to the beginning, I'm smarter Mm -hmm. about my own idea. Mm -hmm. That is just a gem. Now, Dan, you also will not start any meetings without an impact filter or Mm -hmm. have a meeting without an impact Mm -hmm. filter. So talk about why that's so important to you. Well, it's just an observation, Shannon. I'm in my 70s, so I've had a lot of meetings in my life within Strategic Coach or outside of that. And I notice that the purpose of most meetings is actually for everybody to get together and figure out what the purpose of the meeting is. (laughs) Not productive. Yeah. And the reason for that is that no one will take responsibility for actually stating what the purpose of the meeting is, why the meeting is so important, and when the meeting is over, what will be the measurable result that says that it was a successful meeting. So... I'm very, very clear of the huge value of the impact filter in everything that I'm doing personally. I said, if you want my participation in a meeting, here's the condition, and that is at least 24 hours before the meeting, I have to receive a impact filter from the person who most wants the meeting telling me what the why is and why it's so important and what the measurable results are, not of the meeting, but the thing that the meeting is about to discuss. What's really, really interesting, and a lot of entrepreneurs aren't real clear about this, is a lot of team members have been trained by the entrepreneur to schedule a meeting so that they can delegate something to the entrepreneur. (laughs) And there's two things that they want to delegate to the entrepreneur. One is thinking, and the other one is decision-making. 
my sense is that if my team is getting better, I can measure they're getting better by two things. They're becoming better thinkers and they're becoming better decision makers. So by allowing them to have meetings where there's no purpose, I'm actually undermining their ability to grow as an individual. And I says, but by simply requiring them to become very, very good at doing impact filters, I think I'm developing and expanding their thinking and their decision-making skills faster than any other thing in the world. And what frequently happens, somebody wanted a meeting, but it's because they have the condition and the requirement that they actually have to do an impact filter first, they get through the impact filter and said, I don't need a meeting. I know exactly what this is about. I know how to move forward with this. There's a massive time saving in this. Their time, my time, anyone else who is going to be in the meeting, that wasn't really required. My feeling is that where we are in the 21st century now with all sorts of communication capabilities, electronic capabilities, my feeling is that all organizations are at their worst from a creative standpoint, from a productivity standpoint, and from a personal growth standpoint when they're having meetings. I think meetings are the absolutely worst part of any organization. (laughs) But this transforms them. It can eliminate a meeting, but I also love the fact that it can compress it down to only the most essential things, which is really making sure Mm -hmm. the teamwork is clear Mm -hmm. in terms of executing Mm -hmm. on that. And one quick story I want to share, and that is when we were designing our win streak app, which is really tracking your wins Mm -hmm. today and for tomorrow, is that normally a spec meeting with the technology company requires from their client to know what's expected. Well, Kathy Davis, your project manager, your innovation manager, sent the impact filter to the technology company in a meeting that was scheduled for two hours took 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And that is one of my favorite examples of that time compression and that multiplier savings because they were clear. First of all, we were clear because most meetings are to make that decision and to do the thinking. And they just had to ask a few clarification points and they were good to go. That's profound. Yes, Using it with vendors, using it internally. Why are we making a new hire? Why are we taking this on board? Why are we stopping doing something? Mm -hmm. These are all topics that are ripe for an Mm -hmm. impact filter. I love it. All right, Dan, point number seven, Mm -hmm. which is one of my very favorites, and that is to stay inside your unique ability. Mm -hmm. Why is that so important for living a simple, productive, and satisfying life? One of the things is that I see human beings as resources. And along with that thought is I never see the humans who work with me or inside the team I never see human beings as a cost. I always see human beings as an investment. Okay, so applying the same logic to myself, that is that I'm a resource inside of Strategic Coach, and I'm a big investment inside Strategic Coach. So just from the standpoint of thinking about Dan Sullivan from a company standpoint, you would want to maximize the value of the resource called Dan Sullivan. And therefore, you could draw a circle where if he's inside that circle, he's at his very best and he's producing the biggest and best results. And this is accelerating over time. So one of the most important strategies of Strategic Coach as a company is make sure Dan is in his circle. 
And that circle in coach we call your unique ability, which actually consists of very few activities. And in my case, one of them is coaching, coaching entrepreneurs at the highest level. The second thing is continually creating new innovative workshop materials and other support materials like books and videos and audios that support the strategic coach experience. And the third one is having Dan in key situations where he can market the power of strategic coach program to the people who we would really want to sign up for the program, you know, the very, very best quality clients. And that's it. That's Dan inside the circle. There are zero management skills there. You wouldn't want Dan in a management role. You wouldn't want Dan in a technology role, a technical role. You wouldn't want him in any kind of record keeping. You wouldn't really want him in any sort of following through on any kind of repetitive activity. That would be the misuse of a resource. That would be investing a lot and not getting a lot of return. (laughs) And so once I began to do that and thinking of myself that way, then it's very, very easy to think about everybody else that way. We only want everybody who works in Strategic Coach to operate in their circle. If there are things that need to get done that's falling between everybody's circle, then we'll take what's not getting done and decide whether it should get done at all. Or we'll just create a new circle and then we'll hire somebody in who's totally appropriate for that circle. So that's the real reason. And I'm really passionate when I'm in my circle. I'm really a hero to other people, best possible people when I'm in my circle. And I really produce the very best multiplier results in terms of new ideas and much bigger money for the company when I'm in my circle. So don't go outside your circle. I love it, Dan. And I love how clearly you articulate the fact that there's some things Dan simply should not be doing because bad things will happen, as I like to say. And it actually goes back to point number one, which is have a scheduler. You don't want Dan scheduling. (laughs) You don't want Dan in meetings. Right. Except meetings where something really important can happen. I mean, it's a waste of his time. Don't have Dan doing things. You know, and one of the neat things is that I have enough perspective that I can just look down at Strategic Coach and see Dan Sullivan as just one part of the company. Mm -hmm. So we got to treat this resources extremely fine-tuned, very powerful highly productive resource. (laughs) I love it. So point number one is just one scheduler, Mm -hmm. and she is in charge, not you, (laughs) or no one else either. Only three activities that fill your day and three results that you want to produce. To have innovation and focus managers is point number three, and that's a huge recipe for your teamwork. Point number four is to recognize that those three crucial results per day turn into 630 achievements over the course of a year. And that's going to be a great year. And the fact that that's how you've structured it means that you can really maximize the quality because the quantity is already figured out. Number five is all about impact filters, which is again, purpose, importance, ideal outcome. Worst result if you don't take action, best result if you do. And then the success criteria for producing that ideal outcome, and I like to say preventing the worst and ensuring the best. That's a great way to get your success criteria. 
Also, you will not have, and I've been in a lot of those meetings with you, you will not have a meeting without an impact filter. And I like the point that you made about that that is sticking with me is that a lot of people don't want to take the responsibility. But because you drive that down to your team, your team steps up in terms of their ability to think and to make decisions. And then point number seven, always, always, always stay inside your unique ability Mm because that's where the most power, the most impact, the most passion is that allows you to be a hero to other people. Mm-hmm. What a great list, Dan. Thank you mm-hmm. so much for sharing it with everybody. And first of all, thank you for letting Anna prompt you to write it down and then also for making it available to everyone. Mm-hmm. I know it's useful for me and I've worked with you for over 25 years. So so thank you very much for sharing it. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks, Jenny.